from NJAC champions. The Profs are NJAC champions. To national champions. The Profs are national champions. We got you covered on the home for Profs sports. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS FM, Glassboro. Do you believe it's the Profs that won it all? Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents the Rowan University Football Coaches Show, a weekly look at the latest happenings in Pross football. Today's show is made possible in part by Barnes & Noble Bookstore, the Brown & Gold Gridiron Club, Inspira Health, Italian Affair Restaurant and Wine Bar, the Rowan University Alumni Association, and the Southwest Council. Now, we take you to Italian Affair Restaurant and Wine Bar in Glassboro, New Jersey with Derek Jones and the head coach of Rowan University Football, Jay Accorsi, for the Rowan University Football Coaches Show. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome to the Rowan University Football Coaches Show from Italian Affair in Glassboro, New Jersey. I'm Derek Jones, and as always, joined by the head coach, of Profs Football, Jay Okorsi. Coach, welcome back in. Yeah, it's great. This is my favorite time of the week because I get to smell delicious Italian food for like an hour, but it's torturous because we just came off the practice field, so I haven't eaten since lunch. So, <laughs> Of course, on cue as you said that, I just whiffed got like a, that seafood oh. dish I smell. Like, wow. Spectacular stuff. Yep. And uh, hopefully it'll be quick so we can get you to yeah, get something get, to eat. Get you to get you to food and of course we've got a lot of ground to cover here with the props and of course we'll have Rowan University football players of the week a lot of great stuff to get to and we'll, of course we'll take a look at this weekend's game against the Red Hawks of Montclair State University let's take a look back to last week as the props took on Salisbury University at coach Richard Wacker Stadium a 35 to 20 win for the Seagulls and coach in that game Salisbury jumped out to a 28 nothing lead a couple of unforced errors by the props. How did you see that game playing out? Yeah, again, uh, you know, I, th I think we're not, you know, for whatever reason, we're not playing well early in the game. And it's kind of been a, a problem of ours all year long. And, you know, it's great that we come back to the end of the game to make it closer, put ourselves in a position to pull it out. But, you know, again, I don't know if it's just a lot of inexperience in a lot of spots, um, you know, not really sure. But, you know, again, when you play really good teams, you know, you just can't spot them, you know, so many points to let them get ahead. And, you know, we're just not that offense yet to make up that much of a big difference. And so when we make mistakes, it, it's going to hurt us. It, it was interesting to, to, to watch this game because, you know, we've, we've talked so much about the triple option and what the Seagulls have been able to do in terms of rushing the football this season. They, they did get, I mean, they, they really commit to it, obviously, 66 carries, 387 yards on the ground. I mean, when you take a look at that, how did you see how the team handled the, the triple option as the game wore on? Well, you know, obviously we had the interception early when they scrambled, and then they just completely stopped throwing the ball. Um, you know, again, I thought we did a great job with most of the inside runs. That's been our weakness defensively the last couple of years. You know, again, you're trying to stop three phases, right? You're trying to stop the inside run game, the mid-perimeter run game, and the edge run game i thought we did it you know for the first time in a couple of years a great job inside you know really stuffing you know a very good fullback who's a really good player for them i thought we were able to slow them down mid perimeter off the edge you know when they got to the edge we just you know we didn't do a good job of getting off blocks and and defending and getting to the ball quick enough 
Um, and that was our Achilles heel. That's what they went to, you know, in the second half, and, and that's what cost us. And, and they're so tough to play against when they when they get up a couple scores because they, they really don't want, as you outlined, throwing the ball. They were 0 for 4 in the day with an interception. You're right, pretty much after that interception, there wasn't much to speak of. When they can sit on you like that, it makes yeah. it tough. You know, and it, it's about possessions, and we had talked about that. I know the offensive coaches had talked about it to the offensive players, and, you know, there's just not a lot of margin for error, and, you know, we made some some critical mistakes. Um, you know, that cost us and, and gave some points, and, again, you can't turn the ball over and give a good team a short field like we did. You just can't do that against really good teams, and we did, and that's what really put us behind early. What did you see on the play with Thomas Goldsboro? It looked like he, the ball just fell yeah, out of his hands. You know, it's happened to him a couple of times. Um, you know, we switched footballs, you know, at the beginning of the year, and we seemed to have some problems with those, um, you know, and, and I think that happened to Noah early in the year and Thomas early in the year and obviously Nate last week in the rain, but that's a little bit different. Um, it just slipped out, you know, and we switched to different footballs to avoid that. Again, it just slipped right out, you know, and we're just not good enough um, in all phases of the game to give a team a short field, and, and that's the one that really hurts you bad. And the, the props, as a result, falling behind in the hole. You switch up things at quarterback, and, you know, we, we have often talked about the defense of Salisbury because it always feels like the, the national perspective, like the casual fan, always says, well, look at the triple option, and you don't get into the defense. Yeah. They, they, they played re- reasonably well on the defensive yeah, side. Yeah, and they're really good against the run. Again, they see it every day in practice, so they run a 3-4 scheme. So, you know, they're going to be really good against the run because they see it in practice, and that's what they do offensively. Um, again, I thought Nate came in and spun the ball really well. You can tell that's not what they're very good at. You know, we opened it up. We really started to just kind of let it go, and then we started to get ourselves back in the game and scored and started to do some things. Not really our M.O. with a young receiving core and a young, you know, younger quarterbacks, but, again, you have to do what's, you know, helping yourself. Again, didn't have James Farah again. Um, you know, the injuries, you know, you're playing two fresh, true freshman running backs. You're playing freshman, sophomore quarterback. You know, we're just not there offensively. The nice part is some of the wide receivers stepped up really well. Um, you know, Corey had a, a, a great game for us, Corey Gordon, um, you know. And, again, we're just not there yet. But we opened it up and seemed to move the ball much better throwing the football. You know, and that's what you need to do against a team like that. They're really good against a run. So, you know, once you get behind, we're like, all right, let's just start throwing it around the yard and see what we can do. And, and I thought we did some really good things. You know, we dropped – we had a, a, a ball down in the end zone by the scoreboard right there and dropped. You know, you catch that one, and then you're down around the 10. you got a chance to get a score. And that's kind of, I think, when it was 28-14 or so, that's a huge possession. Maybe you score there, make it 28-21 and put yourself in the game. And, you know, just a, a drop ball by a young receiver, and, you know, we weren't able to recuperate from that. You know, you, you mentioned uh, Corey Gordon. I did want to ask about him. Four catches, 97 yards, and a touchdown. You know, the, the props receivers this year, it's it's kind of a mix of guys in terms of body type, size, and ability, and they've been really productive this year. I really like what I've seen. Uh, and Gordon, 6'4", 210, that's a big body guy you can throw to. Yeah, and, you know, Jake Scheike had the touchdown in the other end zone, and Jake's 3'4", you know, 6'4", 6'5", big body. 
You know, we, we knew losing John Maldonado and, and Mike Husney and C.J. Barrett. We were going to be young offensively. We brought in some really good wide receivers. I think we're, you know, two, three deep at every spot. The great part is they're all freshmen and sophomores for the most part. So the future's bright. Um, you know, the running backs are young. The quarterbacks are young. You just can't replace James Farah. You know, two-time all-conference, first-team running back. You just can't replace that, and and that's been a huge loss for us on the offensive side, and we just can't make up for it. And again, don't get me wrong, Nunez is doing a really good job. Tyshawn Bookman's doing a really good job. Um, you know, we get Marlon Boston back this week, so he's going to be back there. You know, but they're freshmen and sophomores. It's not like James. You know, what makes James really good was him being patient, getting the holes, and then exploding through. So. You know, that's, that's really hurt us on the offensive side. And the props were able to fight back in the game. You mentioned the able to get back to 28-14 to 14 in the fourth quarter. That was a part of the situation where Salisbury gets down to the Rowan one, and there are a couple plays there in the game where they had trouble uh, holding on to the football, but eventually they do fumble the ball at the one the props were able to kind of create that turnover and get the ball from there. Yeah, and give the defense a lot of credit. Uh, you know, again, we just didn't generate off, offense off of that. So then that was the backbreaker, the drive all the way down. Um, we stopped the running quarterback on the four. They spot the ball on the one. I still don't know what happened there. Um, but, again, at, at, you know, you, you can't put yourself in that position. But we just didn't. Again, we didn't stop them on the edge, and we didn't thwart them away. We did the series before. We needed something offensive. We didn't. And then they got right down and wore us down and, and really put that one away, which, you know, was kind of the backbreaker for us. And as a result, the Pros fall to 2-5 and five on the season, 1-2 and two in the NJAC. The Seagulls improved to 4-3 and three and now 3-1 and one in a tight NJAC race. Uh, what did you tell the team afterwards? Surely they were disappointed. Yeah, you know, and again, you know, I think I think we're playing really good football. <laughs> we don't give up. I mean, you know, it's it's 35, you know, uh, you know, 13, and they decide not to down the ball. They're going to run the ball, and we strip and scoop and score. You know, I, I don't understand it, but it's just the way it is. The game should be over. It isn't. But then we onside kick, almost get the ball. So we onside kick. We touch it a little bit before the 10, and, and Eric Bryant's right there, and it kind of slips through his hands. Shoot, you get the ball there, you never know. You know, a little magic and make things happen. So, you know, I just told the team, I said, listen, we've had a really hard year. We've played really good teams. You know, Hopkins won again. Ursinus won again. Um, you know, Stevens six and one, you know, it's not like we're playing sisters of the poor, really bad teams. We're playing really good teams. You know, Christopher Newport's having a pretty good season, starting to separate themselves. Salisbury is always good. So, you know, I wish we could play really bad teams, but we don't, but we don't give up. And I just told them I was very proud of how they played all the way through. Cause you know, again, you're down 28 zip at home. Some teams just pack it in, don't yeah. even play. Yeah, Our guys play the bitter end, and I could not be more proud. And, you know, I, I told them, you know, that after the game. I told them that in the Monday meeting. I told them that on Tuesday. I said, you know, sometimes life doesn't go how you want it, and you're faced against a lot of challenges. What are you going to do? You're going to fold the tents and quit? 
or are you going to keep fighting through whatever it is? I told them I was proud of them, and I told them it's been a tough stretch, and I told them we're all going to be better people for the heartaches and things we're going through. Um, but I still think we're a good football team. We're just, you know, I look at the injury list I get every day, and there's like 40 names on it, you right. know, and, you know, we're down DBs, we're down linebackers, we're down running backs, we're down, you know, and you can only do so much to overcompensate that. But they work hard, and I'm extremely proud of this team. Well, it, it's interesting. You know, you were talking earlier about uh, – the team starting out slowly and you know it's we've seen in years past where it's been flipped where you start out well really and fast then and kinda, then slow down and then kind of fade which is normally you see you see a cluster of teams do that where it's a struggle in the second half for whatever reason it just happens that way it's been the opposite this team has gotten better as the game has has worn on so that that i would think has to be a positive yeah and it is and it's, we've gotten better each week we're a much better football team now than we were when we played stevenson so you know that's all you could ask of your players we're just too injured and too young to overcome all that we have you know a player like james farrow makes such a huge difference you know you take away his 200-something yards and two touchdowns against Hopkins, I mean, he's doing it against the top 10 national team. So you're hoping he's your guy getting you through, and he isn't. And we just, it's unfortunate. It's a part of the game. You know, we all understand that. We're not making excuses for it, but we're just not there, you know. And and we're still in year three of the rebuild because of COVID. People forget. Like, we didn't have a team in 20. We lost, like, over 70-something players from the 20 season. You know, we're still in year three. So as much as the expectations, and i got to check myself a little bit, the whole team's back, you know. So we should be really good, you know, next year and more season. So, you know, as the head coach, sometimes you got to look at the big picture things, and I know it's not what everybody wants to hear, but this whole team is back next year. So... Hopefully we're learning from these things to, to, to prepare ourselves for this year, these next coming weeks, but also down the road as well. Nate Myers in the game, 21 of 31, yeah. 213 yards, two touchdown passes, two interceptions. It's Do you have a, a feel for where you're going with things at the quarterback Yeah, I think spot? we're going to stay with Nate this week and see where it goes. It looks like, you know, he's he spun it pretty well. Um, you know, that's where we think we are right now. Um, but obviously Thomas is going to get a lot of snaps. You know, those two have kind of emerged from everybody else, um, deservingly so, you know, uh, you know, and, and we'll see. You know, Thomas has been, you know, at a school or two before, so he's a little bit older. Nate was playing high school football last year. So, um, you, know, the, the, you know, the other interception where we're going down to score, he throws the pick. The corner falls off on the post corner. You know, I hear Leon Harris, the quarterback coach, go, no, 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 as he gets ready to throw it, you know, and then, you know, but we got to live with it, you know. We have to understand he's going to be better for it. But, um, again, you know, I think he right now probably gives us the best chance, but, you know, we're going to wait and see how it goes. And the profs will get ready for action this weekend when they take on Montclair State University. And we will talk about the Red Hawks coming up in just a few moments as Montclair State, uh, they've normally given Rowan a hard time in particular at their place. It has been one of the tougher places to play in the NJAC in part because of how strong the program has been, uh, certainly dating back to the days of Rick Giancola. We will dive into the Red Hawks coming up 
and much, much more right here on the Rowan University Football Coaches Show from Italian Affair in Glassboro, New Jersey. Stay tuned. We'll have more headed your way right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM right after this. WGLS-FM programming is made possible in part by the GRASP Coalition, an initiative of the Southwest Council. The GRASP Coalition is dedicated to preventing the abuse of addictive substances through strategic community partnerships. The GRASP Coalition is currently looking for passionate collaborators to join their prevention efforts. Visit their website calendar to discover when you can join the next community coalition meeting. For more information on the GRASP Coalition or the Southwest Council, the website is southwestcouncil.org backslash our dash coalitions. The GRASP Coalition and the Southwest Council are proud to support the programming on Rowan Radio. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Can't get enough of the oldies? Join me, Greg May. And me, Matty K. Every Saturday from 8 p.m. till midnight as we explore the top songs on the Billboard Hot 100 charts of yesteryear. You'll hear everything from the Bee Gees to the King of Rock and Roll, Chairman of the Board, and more. Each week features a special theme hour that'll have you rocking and rolling all night long. It's Saturday night at the oldies. Every Saturday at 8 p.m. Only on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to Italian Affair in Glassboro. It is the Rowan University Football Coaches Show. Derek Jones joined by the head coach of Props Football, Jay Acorsi, and also right now our Rowan University Football Players of the Week, a pair of linebackers for the Props, Aeneas Robinson and Nick Cerulli. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having me. Great having you guys here to talk all things Props, and take us through kind of your emotions so far this season and, and how things you've how you've seen things shape up for the defense. You know, it hasn't gone the way we wanted to so far, but it's important to finish strong now. We have this stretch of games, NJAC games, that are, you know, very important to us. So we've been working hard at practice and just trying to put our best foot forward each week we go. This season has been filled with uh, ups and downs, but I like our team's perseverance. I feel like we still have players on our team that haven't quit on each other, and I feel like that's very important this year. And we've, we actually we were talking about that right before you guys got here, the team's ability to, to fight and kind of get better as the game is worn on. Is that something that's developed in practice, or is how much of that is the culture of the team? I think it's just a mentality we all bring. You know, uh, each and every week we want to win games. So in order to do that, we have to battle as a unit and as a whole team. So, yeah, it's just a mentality thing coming in each week, knowing nobody can mess with us if we come out and hit our hardest and play our hardest. So, yeah. I also feel like our coaches emphasize us finishing games and finishing practice. That's where it all starts. The coaches have us, for example, uh, our defense, they have us run into the ball even when it's our last period. So, uh, yeah. Nick, l- let's go back to last Saturday and the touchdown. What did yeah. you see there and, and how that played out? And how how big did your eyes get when you saw yeah. a ball just rolling around free on the turf? Yeah, no, it was awesome. So we had a the play went to the opposite side. My, uh, my boy, Vinny Garino, forced a fumble. 
And uh, ball went right to me, saw it, got a clean scoop on it, and then took it to the curb and wasn't going to get caught. <laughs> had to do what I had to do. And, and, he, and his second of the year. Yeah, it is my second. That's right. That's yeah, the interception return at McDaniel, right? Yeah, the pick six That's McDaniel. So you got a little bit of a magnet for the football, huh? Yeah, I'm a little bit of a ball hawk. So <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. And, Nias, what was your perspective on, on the play from last week? I was on the sideline. I just got hurt the play before. Oh. I, not to bring everything down, but <laughs> I, saw, I saw my teammates doing what they were supposed to. I mean, that's what we practiced. We practiced scooping and scoring. So uh, I was happy to see my boy Nick flourish out there. <laughs> Coach, we've often talked about the team's long-storied history about linebackers at the program. We talked about Mark Hendricks and, and what he has done with this program and now what he's doing over at Kingsway. Uh, what is it about the, the linebacker group here at, at Rowan that has always been a, a key standout and a key part of the defense? I think it's just always been very special. We've tried to get Again, those most dynamic players at the defensive end position and then those at the linebacker position. Um, you know, uh, you know, Rocco could be here with us as well. Vinny Garino could be here with us as well. I think we're really deep at the position. Um, Coach Dawkins works with the linebackers, the defense coordinator. He likes to play a lot of linebackers. Um, I think it shows. I think we're fairly healthy. I think they're playing at a really high level. Um, there's a lot of young defensive linemen in front of them. Uh, you know, Josh Ortiz and, you know, maybe a couple of the others, Mike Mischolik and, um, you know, Dahani now that he's back. But there's been a lot of other Carter Williams, right, younger players. Um, and they've had to overcome younger players in front of them up front. And that's not easy to do. Um, I, I just think we've always had, it's just been a staple of our own football, great linebackers. Um, and these two are just a part of a, a great core um, and a great returning core, too. That's the nice part. You know, they're all pretty much all back next year, which is nice. But they work really hard, take pride in their craft, and it shows on the field. And, of course, as a part of, of the proceedings in the linebacking play, Aeneas, over the last three weeks, you have 23 tackles. So you have a, a pretty good nose for the football as well. How would you describe your style of play? Uh... I would describe my style as play of just as just fitting in in our system. Uh, Coach Dawkins, he wants everybody to be in their gap, and we're a gap sound defense. And after that, get to the ball. So uh, relentless pursuit to the ball, and I feel like my teammates do a great job forcing the ball back inside, and everybody's just rallying to the ball. Nick, how much do you guys learn from each other during the course of a season and the course of a game? You know, I feel like we learn a lot about each other. It's it's really tested throughout the hard moments. It's who's going to come out and, you know, stick up for their man when things go wrong. So I think it's just, you know, every, everybody learns about each other. We've all learned that we're hard-working individuals who will do anything to be the best we can be. So, And ESU went to Seton Hall Prep. I mean, tell, me, tell us about your high school experience and how you got linked up with Coach Corsi. Uh, I, I got linked up through to coach of course through uh, coach Dawkins uh, he called me up after my senior year and uh, he recruited me over coach, coach uh, Larry Fitzgerald over at Seton Hall Prep he told me that Rome was a great organization to join and just become a part of he mentioned how there is also that similar brotherhood that Seton Hall Prep has over at Rowan and I fell in love once I came here how about for you Nick uh, I got introduced to Coach Lancetta from my coach at Howell. It was Coach Edgerly. Um, he's the man. But, you know, I got here, and I met all the coaches, and I felt welcomed. I felt at home. And uh, like Aeneas said, the brotherhood is strong here. We have 
everybody is almost best friends, you know, love coming to practice every day, seeing each other, having fun, the camaraderie, it's awesome, so, yeah. So you're Hal and you're Seton Hall Prep. Did you two cross paths at, at, at any point in your high school days? No. They're, they're lucky. You didn't. Wow. <laughs> All right. Yeah, he's lucky. He didn't see me in the hole. <laughs> now, did you guys in high school, did you play different positions besides linebacker? What did you play? Yeah, I played running back, linebacker. Yeah, that's basically it, running back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was a linebacker and a right guard, so. A right guard? Yeah. Okay. 25. Yeah, he's too slow to catch me. I don't think he would have. All right. Funny guy. Funny guy. <laughs> Talk to me about that experience, kind of playing linebacker and offensive line in the different skill sets. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like being an offensive lineman, it helped me me better my defensive linebacker uh, like skills in a, in a way. I knew uh, what the O-linemen were doing based off of what I've seen and my experience being an O-lineman, and it helps me to just play fast and not get caught. I mean, does that help you as a defender when you're able to kind of take what you learn from the offensive side of the football and apply it to defense? Yeah, it definitely gives you an idea of what they want to do. So football, a lot of it is thinking on the fly and having to play a chess match with the offense. So, yeah, it definitely helps, like, knowing, oh, okay, if I was playing there, he's probably going to go out, you know, seeing a different formation. So, yeah. Yep, and if somebody's coming out, somebody else has to be coming in. So, hey. <laughs> Coach, obviously you've seen a lot of guys who – have gone two ways in, in high school. Once you get them at Rowan, I mean, how does that differ with your approach in terms of coaching them and, and getting them ready for whatever position you want them to play? Well, you know, we like that the, the two-way players, and obviously a lot do that in high school. Like Ania said, you know, they're, they're more well-schooled and understand football better. Um, they've cross-trained and, and understand how the ball works and things. Obviously, you know, for Nick, carrying the ball, right? He did that before. He's done it now defensively, so, you know, interception, scoop and score, understanding, you know, how to run with the ball and do those things. That cross-training, I think, is, you know, very important. And, again, at the linebacker position, so they got to stop the run. they got to know the gaps. they got to make sure the front's set. they got to understand what the coverage is. they got to drop in their zones or cover man, work with the DBs. You know, that's a very intricate thing to do. Uh, we're very fortunate we have a great group that are, that are performing at a high level. When you guys take a look at last week, how different is it and how different has it been throughout the course of this season playing maybe week one you see maybe a spread offense or week two you maybe see a spread offense and then you go up against a triple option. How difficult was that experience for you and what did you learn from it? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's always tough playing the triple option, but, you know, it's over now, so we got to clean our slate and get back to our basics. So this week, you know, we've been going back, doing what we usually do or program to do and, you know, we've had a good week, and we're ready to get back into it with Montclair. One thing I feel like the coaches do a good well of is making sure I be focused on just one team at a time and take it week by week. Uh, I feel like if we have our mind on maybe like week 10, but we're only on week 7, you know, we're going to be able to – we're going to miss some things. So uh, the coaches do a good job of just making sure that we're locked in on the opponent that we have that week. Well, speaking of the opponent you have this week, uh, Montclair State coming up. Uh, what do you know about the Red Hawks, and what can you tell us? You know, um, so far this year, they've been up and down. Uh, you know, they had the win against Willie P late, but, you know, I think our defense, you know, we come with the mindset and the mentality that nobody can score on us or do what they do against us, so we're just going to play our game, and, you know, I think it's going to come out our way. You know, uh, they're, they're a tough team. They always bring, bring a fight. They're not going to back down. We know that we have to play all four quarters against them, so we just have to buckle down and be ready.
That's it. Coach, this is one of the elite top rivalries in, in the NJAC, Rowan and Montclair State. What have you learned from those experiences over the years? We've talked about the, the change of the coaching staff. How much do you talk to the guys about history in terms of what kind of a game to expect? Well, I think they know, especially experienced players, they know you know which games are a little bit different than others. Um, Montclair's just different, and it was that way back in the you know the 70s and the 80s, and when I first got there in the 90s, it's just different. They're usually one of the better teams in conference, in state, um, you know, and we've had great games with them. It's very physical. Um, it's very emotional, um, you know, and, and it's a game where you just got to be ready in all facets to perform at a, a really high level. It's always been that way, and it'll probably always continue to be that way. And you can tell in their voices they understand it's Montclair week. It's a little, little different. How do you manage your emotions during the course of a game, especially in a game like this where, yeah, there's – you know, game to game, conference foe to conference foe, you have different rivalries. It, it can get chippy at times. How do you manage those emotions to make sure whatever it is you're doing is something that can benefit the team? I just think it's the experience we have. You know, we know how to keep composure now, especially in these big games. You know, this isn't our first go around playing NJAC games, and we know how important it is to us and what it means to Rowan in general. So, you know, we're just keeping on a legacy, and we got to battle every week. And yeah, so we're just ready. We're ready to go. The best way that I keep my composure is just taking it one play at a time. Uh, I can't really think too far into the future, and I can't live in the past. If if I have a bad play, next play, do better. If I have a good play, do it again. The, the importance of a short memory, right? That That's something you have to take kind of the good with the, with the bad that happens throughout the course of the game. And that's something that's impressed me about you guys watching the team on a week-to-week -week basis. You struggle one play, you get it the next time, and we've seen that lead to victories during the season, including the win over TCNJ, where you know the offense was really laboring because of the injuries going on, but the defense was able to hold the team together and really set up that final big-time play. When you're able to do that, uh, how exhilarating is that for you as a player to kind of help set the stage maybe for what eventually happens during the course of a game? Oh, yeah, it's awesome, but at the end of the day, you know, it's a, it's a team game, and you know, we're on the sideline, and we're just doing our job. Our job is to get off the field and give the offense back the ball. So at the end of the day, uh, you know, we're not really thinking too much about, oh, we got to pick them up. It's more just like, all right, let's go out there, and we're going to get a stop, and then this game's going to go in our direction. So, yeah, just do what we can control, and that's about it. Mm -hmm. I agree with everything that he said. That's pretty much it. <laughs> Hit that on the head. Coach, you know, you mentioned these guys being a part of the future for Rowan. Um, how big of an asset is it to have it, have these guys come back and, and, and really be a part of the, the culture building for this program? Yeah, you know, again, you know, we had talked briefly about year three of the rebuild, and I talked a little bit about that with them in the team meeting on Monday. You know, it was only a couple years ago we didn't have football. So, um, you know, building that foundation is important. We're very fortunate we're deep at the linebacker position. We're very fortunate we're able to play a lot of players in that position. I think it helps them all stay healthy because it's a very physically demanding position um, and a mentally demanding position. Um, and we're just very fortunate, you know, we're really deep. So this group has kind of helped us start back up and maneuver through, um, you know, a difficult process as we're in year three. And, Again, the defensive line is really young, very talented, 
you know, and, and they're coming on, but really the staple, I think, defensively has really been our linebacker play and how we've been able to kind of, you know, have them be the glue that keeps everything together, and that's really important. Can you guys talk about your experiences during COVID from the football perspective? Because that had to be a challenging time, um, whether it's, you know, transitioning from high school to college while things are happening while you're in high school. What do you remember about that experience and how tough was it for you as a football player? Yeah, I got this. Uh, one thing I remember specifically was doing workouts like in the hallway with my little brother trying to get ready for the season coming up. We would like do push-ups, sit-ups. We would do sprints in the hallway, run up run up and down the staircase. Uh, even one time like I squatted my mom because I didn't have any weights. Yeah, so, you know, you got you to gotta be creative. But it was fun. It uh, definitely brought me and my family members way closer. And, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I'd say uh, it definitely was a terrible time. You know, my high school, my senior year got put down to about like four, four or five games. I think we played like at the end of the day, and it was terrible. We got canceled a couple of times because you got to, you know, take the protocol weeks and all that stuff. So, you know, it was definitely tough. But you know, coming here and, and getting almost like a fresh start because we had a lot of returners or not a lot of returners rather that coming in season. We had a bunch of new guys, so we were all new faces and. I think that really goes into the role because looking back, it's, it's three years ago now. Like it's crazy that we've all been here and you know we become brothers. It's become a brotherhood. You know that I can look to the guy to my left, the guy to my right, and say I'm going to call you when I need someone to have my back. So, no, it's uh, it's been an awesome experience here. Coach, I mean, we've talked about kind of that process and and how strange it was here on on campus at Rowan. Recruiting-wise, I mean, how difficult is it to kind of get out and see guys and have the kind of relationship you'd have with them in the past? You d really didn't during that year because you couldn't go out. You couldn't go into high schools. You know, you couldn't really recruit traditionally, so it made all the schools be creative, and I thought we were. I thought we had to do a lot more by phone and, you know, a lot more by communication and a lot more by, you know, media and technology and things. Um you know, and then to have to rebuild a program from scratch, that was really hard, you know. And, and I think we've done a, a really good job. I think the players have really done a good job of embracing um, the love for football. And that's what it came down to. You know, you really need to love this sport to play it at the Division three level. You're not on scholarship. You know, family, everybody's, you know, pitching in to pay for school. Um, you know, you really need to love football, and I thought it gave us an opportunity to rebrand the program. Um, and if you hear from all the players through the course of the year, you can feel and hear in their voice um, how special football is to them. Um, and it has to be. And, again, I appreciate all that they do. They make a lot of sacrifices, do a lot of things. Um, and we're still young, you know, so that's what we have to remember, too. We're, we're still really young you know, playing in a lot of spots with some inexperience. Luckily, at the linebacker spot, not so much. Do you guys remember when you fell in love with football growing up as a kid? I'd say it's the first time. I remember putting on pads in practice and hitting somebody and then, like, getting a nice hit. <laughs> and then you get the confidence. It's true, though. You get the confidence. I remember I was like, okay, like, maybe I could do something with this. And, you know, it's been my, my love of my life ever since. I've been playing it all my life. And, I, you know, it's a great sport. And it's taught me so many different values and um, how to really be a, a good human being overall, not just a good football player. So, yeah. And, Ian, how about for you? 
uh, at first it was a love-hate relationship. Honestly, I quit. I quit football my first season. Uh, it was rough. It was, it was just a lot of running for me, and I wasn't really in the best of shape. Uh, but then the next season I came back, and I actually I enjoyed just being out there with my teammates. We created a bond, and uh, running wasn't as hard. And I started training, and it was just fun at that point. It's interesting you mentioned kind of the relationships with the players. We've had so many alumni on over the years and current players. And if you ask them about their favorite memory, sometimes it's not really a game. Specifically, it's about the experience with the teammates. And, and that, I think, is, is one of the pivotal parts about being a member of the Rowan football team. Yeah. yeah, it gives you a brotherhood for sure. Like like I said before, all the guys that we came in with are all my best friends now. And, you know, I look to them for advice and you know, just to have a good time with, a laugh, you know, whatever, a smile if I need someone to pick me up, you know, hit up one of my friends, and I know they got my back, so, yeah. Yeah, one thing about brotherhood is, like, your brother is going to be there for your highs and your lows, and I feel like that's why most people remember that. Last question for you guys. We have not talked about this on the show, and it's an NFL-related question, but I, I, I would love your take on this as well. The the uh, the tush push brotherly shove play, in your view as a defender, is is that a legitimate football play? Should it be outlawed? Have you guys seen it at all in college? I yet? think I think that um, for the most part, you know, it's just you got to be able to get that push. And as a D lineman, you got to get lower than the offensive player. I what I don't like is the when they get to push them in the back. I feel like maybe that could be a little bit like maybe you could have some with there. But overall, I mean, you know, football's football. Plays a play. If you can't beat that play, like. They do it the best. Like, why isn't everybody else doing it? If, they, if it was so easy, everybody else would be doing it, and they can't. So Absolutely. It's just, you know. And uh, just so you know, when they say they, he's referring to the Eagles. Uh, I am an Eagles fan, so <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the touch push, though, just from a football aspect. Uh, I mean, if a team can't stop one play, they're probably going to keep running it. And you could say that for almost every play. Every play can get stopped. You just have to figure out how to. Yeah, it didn't work against the Jets, did it? Oh, <laughs> talk about that. Yeah, jet up. Coach, coach, your thoughts on that play? We haven't really gotten into it. I mean, we, we, we've seen uh, there are two notable examples of where maybe quarterback sneaks have gone awry for teams, which we'll talk about in a second. But um, ha has there been any talk at the college level about that play? And what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, again, I'm the old guy, so, you know, I, and I played running back in high school and college, and it was illegal to push a running back back in the day. Um, you know, I guess, you know, new wave, it's a great thing. It looks pretty cool. It's like rugby. Everybody's excited. Um, again, I, I think a lot of the rules favor offenses, so, you know, they want the scores to be 50 to 49 and all those other things. I just get excited over a 9-7 ball game, too. So, personally, I, you know, I'm not a huge fan, but, hey, it's using the rules to your advantage. I, I kind of have a feeling it'll eventually get maybe illegal at some point, um, you know, because, you know, you're not supposed to pull the runner, but you can push the runner. Come on. You can't tell what they're doing in that scrum. Yeah. I'm sure there's guys in there pulling them, too. Um, but, you know, again, that's just an old-school perspective. So. Very, very interesting perspective indeed. I mean, we've, we've seen Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs, famously don't use a quarterback sneak because he dislocated his kneecap on and, a sneak play. And, again, I, you know, i got to think at some point it's got to hurt the quarterback, right? Because you got all these people squishing him. 
especially at the NFL level, right? He's probably the most important in the NFL game. You're like squishing the guy all over the place. You could break his back, yeah. you know. So I, you know, I, I don't know. I, you know, they were making it work, so that's great. I just don't know if I'd want to be that quarterback getting shoved by a lot of people in a lot of areas and getting squished. Um, I, I just don't know. Well, gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here. Nick Cerulli and Aeneas Robinson, continued success to both of you guys. And uh, hopefully you can put aside the Eagles-Jets differences and uh, close out the season strong. Yeah, Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you for having us on. I appreciate it. This is the Rowan University Football Coaches Show right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Stay tuned. We'll have more headed your way from Italian Affair in Glassboro right after this. Here's what you missed this morning on the Early Bird Special. I feel like you remind me of Woody the most out of any of the other Disney characters. We're goofy. You know what's crazy? I was going to say Jesse for you. It was either between Jesse or Vanellope Von Schweetz from Wreck-It Ralph. Because yes. you guys are both very energetic. It's like sugar rush kind of crazy. We're just in the Toy Story realm, I guess. Listen to the Early Bird Special Monday through Friday from 7 till 9 a.m. only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. WGLS-FM programming is made possible in part by Inspira Health. Getting sick is never convenient, especially when you're juggling a full course load, a job, an internship, or all three. The MyInspira app allows you to access care at home, between classes, or on the go. Services include consulting board-certified doctors by phone or video chat to get a quick diagnosis and treatment for non-emergency medical issues, from acne to the flu. You can see a doctor immediately or select a time for your virtual visit that works for you and your schedule. Download the MyInspira app to get started today. Inspira Health is a proud supporter of programming on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination, our sense of wonder, and our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, we reconnect with each other and build family memories we will carry with us forever. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. It's easy. Just put in your zip code to find family-friendly outdoor destinations near you. You'll also find guides to free activities, games, and amazing forest facts. Give the magic of the outdoors to your kids and reconnect with your family. Find a forest near you at discovertheforest.org. That's discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to Italian Affair in Glassboro. Always great to have members of Rowan University football with us and Aeneas Robinson, Nick Cerulli, doing a fantastic job. Yeah, you know, you listen to all our players through the course of the year, and they're all great young men, and I couldn't be more proud of, of all of them. You know, facing adversity is not an easy thing to do. You know, we're struggling wins and losses, and... You know, they inspire me. You know, they come to work every day. They work really hard. You know, they lift. They do yoga. They practice. You know, they do their schoolwork. They do community service. They're doing so much more than, than just the usual college student. And I couldn't be more proud and very fortunate to be around a, a bunch of great young men. The props get ready for Montclair State on Saturday and Montclair State. Surviving William Patterson 14-13 win on the road for Montclair State. What did you see? Yeah, you know, they're, again, you're getting into that crunch of the conference. You know, again, it looks like Christopher Newport has kind of separated themselves a little bit with Salisbury. And then, 
you know, all us New Jersey schools battling. And, you know, we talked about that. We said, listen, we're undefeated in the state of New Jersey. We beat TCNJ. We got three games left. It's all our New Jersey rivals. Let's go undefeated in state. So um, it'll be a really good test. They're a lot like us. They're very similar in a lot of areas. I don't think they've played the same type of competition that we have. So I'm hoping that's hardened us a little bit more. Um, but it's going to be a great battle, and it's going to be a great game. Um, and it's always tough to play up there. Uh, no question about it. We've seen some really good Rowan yeah. teams have a, a, a tough time up there. You know, a notable example back in 2000, the, the, the game where the props looked like, I mean, that, that team was a definite playoff team, but they end up losing to Montclair State. Montclair State makes the NCAA tournament. That's The, the rivalry has just been kind of back and forth over the years in terms of, especially up there, uh, how much of it is the style of play? You, you said they kind of are mirror images in, in many ways. Yeah, a little bit. Obviously, they're different, right, because Rick Giancola isn't there, been there forever. So for me, it's going to be really strange looking across, you know, and seeing a different head coach. But you see their play, and, and obviously Mike Palazzo played there. He's coached there. So he's a Montclair guy. And they're, you know, your typical team. They're going to try to bully you on offense and, and and try to run the ball and then spread it around a little bit and then, you know, blitzkrieg defensively. So that they're similar to us in a lot of areas. So one thing to kind of take out of the win last week for Montclair State is that race in the end, Jack, it's a three-way dance right now in terms of teams who have three wins. Christopher Newport is 3-0. Montclair State three and one, Salisbury at, at three and one. So you guys have a, a very good chance here to, to end the season in a strong way and also perhaps ruin some teams' chances of maybe getting involved in this in Jack race. Yeah, and again that's you know that's what we talked about, maybe being you know, trying to be undefeated in the state of New Jersey, which we were last year, but more importantly just worrying about week by week. So this is a huge game for us. It's a great challenge. And you could tell by the guys talking about it. Like, they get it. They understand. It's just, it's different. Absolutely. And Aiden McLaughlin, 7 of 13, 112 yards passing for Montclair State. Andrew Sanborn, 6 of 13, 56 yards. Both quarterbacks with interceptions. Abilene Mendez, 20 carries, 119 yards. It's yeah, a good running back. They just seem to, it seems like they are very tough. And it's just they kind of morph into the personnel they have on offense. That's the way it seems to have been over the years as of late. Yeah, and it's going to be a gut check for us. It's going to be probably 80 degrees. Uh, Their field is wide open, so it'll be heat and sun bearing down. This time of year, we're not used to that. I saw a lot of guys sweating running around today. I was too. Um, It's going to be, you know, a physically and mentally, emotionally, um, and, and draining type of game, and you know we need to be prepared for that. And we talked about that with our players too. You know, we we prepared them for this battle. Um, you know, and it's going to be a huge slugfest between I think two really good teams. Going over some of the other scores in the New Jersey Athletic Conference from last week: Christopher Newport, thirty-four ten win over Kane. TCNJ, twenty-three thirteen winners over Gettysburg, so a clean re- week rest of the way for the conference. Yeah, and, you know, it's good to see TCNJ do well out of conference game. Obviously, you know, very important. Obviously, coming off the loss from Christopher Newport two weeks ago, 
Um, you know, beating Kane like that, Kane always has a really good defense, so that shows you the strength of Christopher Newport, which we knew. Um, you know, it's three-point game, so we were right there. Um, but again, you know, it's, it's conference play. You need to be prepared every week. Coming up on Saturday, TCNJ will take on Salisbury. Christopher Newport against William Patterson and Kane against Franklin and Marshall. We've talked about some of the nuanced things with the schedule this year because of how things have played out. Some non-conference games still happening later in the yeah, year. Yeah, sprinkled around, again, because of those games. And, you know, that's what's interesting to see. And it's good to see the conference doing pretty well. And, again, you know, we want our, our sister schools to do really well you know, against, uh, you know, teams in out-of-conference play. Last question before the break. We touched on this, I believe, a little bit last week with the start time. It's kind of a different start time. It's 5 o'clock. Uh, they, they have sometimes played a lot of the Rowan games against Montclair traditionally have just been noon, 1 o'clock. Yeah. This one's at 5. Any reason why that happened? Yeah, I think he's, you know, taking over the program there. He's starting and trying to you know, create a buzz, you know, by local community and high school teams. You know, most high school teams play Friday night or Saturday. Um, I remember when I first got to Rowan in the 90s, we used to play Montclair on a Saturday night or Friday night, and it was always, uh, I think, a National Football Foundation game on a Saturday night. So, you know, again, they're trying, like we have, juggling our schedule to playing night games, you know, later on Saturdays, trying to get people and community members in the school and the university and students out you know, so you have to give them credit, you know, for doing that. And, again, it'll a little different going up to playing there at five. But, again, I remember doing that back in the 90s when I first got here. So, for me, it's not that different. And the Profs and Red Hawks, again, special start time, 5 o'clock on Saturday. Stay tuned. When we come back, we'll have the Rowan University football fan questions of Uh-oh. the week. And we'll Uh-oh. talk a little bit about the 93 Profs yep. that were inducted into the Hall of Fame, the Rowan University Athletics Hall of Fame recently. We'll talk about that and much more here as we round things out on the Rowan University Football Coaches Show right here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. This feature night is Friday. We're celebrating the legendary Tom Petty in honor of what would have been his 73rd birthday. Tune in to hear all of his greatest hits, like Free Fallen. Back down. back down and more it's tom petty all day this featured artist friday on Ron radio 89.7 wgls fm and online at ronradio.com wgls fm programming is made possible in part by italian affair restaurant and wine bar located at 900 delsey drive in glassboro italian affair offers traditional italian cuisine in multiple dining areas including an outdoor patio Established in 1988, Italian Affair also provides catering and private party options. For more information, the phone number is 856-881-2121 and the website is italianaffairglassboro.com. Italian Affair Restaurant and Wine Bar is proud to support the programming on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM as the... Rowan University Football Coaches Show rolls on here. One more segment as we go to the top of the hour and a pop flavor headed your way from 7 to 8 coming up tonight. It's time for our Rowan University Football Fan Questions of the Week. And our question this week comes from Gary in Brick. Oh, different, different place, different area, yeah, different yeah. person. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rowan grad. Awesome. Rowan grad. 
He wants to know if you had, as a coach, if you had any advice for Rob Thompson on how to deal with this offseason from the Phillies' perspective, since you are a baseball fan, how would you, what would you tell him about how to deal with a tough loss? Um, you know, like any coach would. You know, you got to brush it off and get back up and go back to work. Um, they have some really good players. They made it really exciting for everybody. Sometimes we forget about that. You know, I know we live in a, you know, a world that's wins and losses and, you know, do or die, but they were really exciting and they got a really good team. They got a lot of good players. They're going to be fine. You know, you got to be able to brush it off and, and, and get back after it and, and, and just stay the course. And I think that's why he's been successful with that team when he first took over and has been able to maneuver them through that. Just stay the course and keep working and keep doing the things that get you to where you need to be. Brian from Glassboro wants to know, what has been the biggest surprise for you for this props team so far through the first seven games of the year? I think, you know, the offensive young players that have produced for us and a variety of them, um, you know, we've had different quarterbacks play really well for us. Uh, we've had different running backs play really well for us. We've had different, a lot of different wide receivers play really well for us. Um, I, I wasn't sure how we were going to be able to, you know, make up for Mike Husney and C.J. Barrett and John Maldonado. Um, I knew we added a lot of really good pieces, um, and I've been pleasantly surprised. I, I didn't think we'd be able to do some of the things that we're able to do and offset the loss of somebody like James Farah. I mean, you just teams just don't overcome that. And I've been very, very uh, pleasantly surprised and optimistic about the future because of all those young players. And and that's really a, a testament to to the team and the ability to recruit, the fact that you've been able to find these guys and they've been able to produce. Yeah, I mean, we knew we were going to have to replace John and, and Mike and Huzz and, and we, CJ, and we made a conscious effort last year mid-semester to bring in a bunch of wide receivers and a couple of quarterbacks. We're going to do the same thing this year. We're going to bring in as many really good players as we can mid-semester, so we have them for the spring to do spring ball to propel them for the fall. We don't need a lot of pieces, but we need a lot more depth, um, and that's the pieces, coaches, we've talked about quite a bit. So, um, you know, very, very surprised by how we've played offensively with a lot of young, inexperienced players. Well, one thing I wanted to hit on before we wrapped it up tonight, the 1993 Rowan University football team that was inducted into the Rowan University Athletics Hall of Fame homecoming weekend. Um, we, we talked about it a little bit a few weeks ago in terms of, of what it has meant for this program. What has it meant for you to see that? cluster of guys going to the hall of fame because that was your first year with the program yeah it, it was awesome um you know 50 or so players from that 93 team so it was at least more than half um you know john bunning was there the coach that had left casey keeler wasn't because obviously he's still coaching um i didn't realize john didn't leave until late that spring early summer so john had recruited a lot of those players um, Leroy Jones in particular, and I didn't realize that until Leroy spoke and talked about John going to his house and recruiting him. I just thought John left like around December, January, and most coaches do. He didn't, I think, until late May or June, and that's when Casey took over. Just a great group of individuals 
that progression from when John took over to build the program back. Um, you know, and, and you think about the leadership group, you know, and you were here, you saw yeah. it, Herman James, he was the GM. He took great <laughs> pride, right? Yeah. He t- and that's what he named that's himself. A good, that's a good way to he put it. He was the yeah, GM. Absolutely. He took great pride and passion in Rowan Athletics, and he was the difference maker. Um, and he made it important. And the two dean of students, Wayne Hoffner and Marguerite Stubbs. Yes. Um, and then Joy Solomon, the AD at the time. I think that leadership group under Herman's direction understood all the little nuances and what to do, not just in football, but in basketball. And you forget the men's and women's basketball team was dabbling, you know, Final Four every year in the yes. National Championship yes. in 97 when yeah. John Giannini was here. I don't know if we'll ever see that type of success athletically at Rowan ever again. And I think it started with Herman and the leadership group that he had. And it wasn't money. It really wasn't, you know. He was just involved. He loved sports. He loved basketball. I don't think he really – I think he loved football, but I think he understood the culture of what football could bring to a university. And it was an interesting time because the university was going through great transition with the $100 million donation and the name change. People are still upset today that it's we're not Glassboro State Teachers College or Glassboro State College. You know that. That is correct, yes. And I think Herman understood here's a way we could embrace something special and spin it around and rally everybody, and he did it by athletics. And, again, every team was good. You know, football, men's and women's basketball, we're going to the national tournament yeah. every year. Um, we've had success, and we've been pretty good, but not that level of success nationally. And I think he understood the importance of doing that, and that leadership group understood all the little things you need to do. It wasn't money. It was all the other little things that you need to do. And that's what made the difference. You know that. You oh, were yeah. here. Yeah. You know, Herman's sitting front courtside yeah. at the basketball yeah. games. While I was calling games. I yeah. remember. <laughs> he, he's jumping out of the stands at a football game running down the yeah. sidelines, yeah. high-fiving players. Yeah. That makes a difference, you know. And I don't know if we'll ever see that type of high-level athletic success ever again. I hope we might, yeah. but I just don't know. Well, you, you look at what happened to a lot of coaches that were here during that time. You know, uh, Candace Crabtree, obviously Casey Keeler, John Giannini. John Giannini. They ended up going to Division One Division places. One pro- yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's that kind of shows you how good it was. Back and, then. and you know, when you talk to John Bunning, you know, he obviously his dream job was the University of North Carolina, where he played. He obviously left here and went to the pros with Dick Vermeil, all that. But when you hear him talk about Glassboro State Rowan football, a twinkle comes to his eye. And he will probably tell you probably the most enjoyable, some of the most enjoyable times coaching football. And because you're, you're there, you're, you're hands-on, you're involved with the players, you're recruiting. Leroy Jones came here because John jumped in his car and drove to Leroy's house when he left Nebraska <laughs> and moved his mom and his family, you know, and you heard him say that in the induction speech. And, again, you know, and that's from John Bunning. NFL player, NFL coach, North Carolina, all over the place. When he talks about Glassboro State and that team, you can hear the special and see the twinkle in his eye about what he talked about at that time. And, you know, 
It was a special time at the university, though. Yeah, no question. I mean, it's the 100th anniversary of Rowan University. You, you go through the years, and it's hard to find a period of sustained success. Yeah. And the, you know, from like 90 to 2000 or so, you just don't, those 10 or so years, the national success in the large sports, football and basketball, and men's and women's basketball, not just yeah. men's, women. Right. I just don't know if you'll ever see that type of unprecedented success ever again. Started with the GM, Herman James, and he made no bones about it, right? <laughs> That's right. He was, uh, he, he was all over the place with, with Rowan Athletics, and it, it made a big difference. And he was passionate about the university, too. You know, he lived on campus, you know, and he understood so many people were going to be upset about the name change and the flip over and everything. He knew. He did. But he's like, all right, how can I get everybody to embrace it and do it? I think you're starting to see some of that now with a marching band and some things on campus. Homecoming was yeah. huge again. Um, but, again, I don't know if we'll get to that level. You know, you look at those teams from 90 to 2000, that was, you know, pretty special. I just don't know if you get to do that again. That's a special thing that occurs. What a moment for Rowan University football, the 93 team being honored in the Hall of Fame. And, Coach, Best of luck to you this coming weekend as the pros take on Montclair State. Yeah, I mean, I wish I, wish I could have stolen a couple of those guys and dressed them for this week against Montclair. Um, but, but, again, you know, another challenge for us and a tough place to play, and we're just going to go up and battle, and hopefully you heard that from the two guys tonight and how our players approach it. And, you know, we have a lot stacked against us. We have a lot of injuries. We have a lot going on. But you got to love the fight of our players and what they do. And, again, I could not be um, more proud of a group in, in how they approach it and what they do. And the profs will take on the Red Hawks. Coverage starts on 89.7 and RowanRadio.com at 4 p.m. with an encore presentation of the Rowan University Football Coaches Show. Then it will be profs pregame at 4.30, followed by kickoff at 5 between the profs and the Red Hawks. Thanks for joining us here tonight on the Rowan University Football Coaches Show on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLSM Glassboro. For Jay Acorsi, I'm Derek Jones saying so long, and we'll talk to you next week at 6 o'clock right here from Italian Affair in Glassboro on Thursday night. Have a good one, everybody.